0: Being a seed keeper, it's a big responsibility. It's a heavy title to carry because everything we do as Native people, we always think about our future generations. Being able to hold the future in your hands and also being able to hold the past in your hands at the same time.
1: Dinoy Maganatug. Greetings, relatives. My name is Melissa Nelson, and I'm your host and gardener. Welcome to the Native Seed Pod, a podcast aimed at celebrating the diversity and beauty of native seeds, soils, and indigenous foods. Welcome back, dear listeners. We are now launching our season three, in which we once again release each episode monthly on the new moon, dropping each conversation like a seed in fertile soil. This season, we're excited to focus entirely on Indigenous women leaders. And we are starting this season with a trilogy of episodes featuring seed keepers involved in the growing seed rematriation movement. We are proud to co-produce this trilogy with Rowan White and the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network of the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance, with whom we also recently released a short film, Seed Mother, Coming Home all parts of a symbiotic collection of communications supporting these vital movements. Our first episode features Ho-Chunk seed keeper Jessica Greendeer, who works at the wonderful organization Dream of Wild Health in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Please enjoy. Well, hello, Jessica. Welcome to the Native Seed Pod Podcast. This is our third season, and we are starting with you on the dawn of this Indigenous Peoples' Day weekend, a time of celebration and harvest for many Native peoples around Turtle Island. Uh, Welcome to the Native Seed Pod. Thank you for having me, Melissa. Oh, it's great. To, it's a pleasure to meet you and have you on here. I've admired the work of Dream of Wild Health for many, many years. And um, Jessica is a wonderful uh, seed keeper and, and farm manager at the uh, Dream of Wild Health in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And she will traditionally uh, introduce herself now. <laughs>
0: My Rajada, Jessica G. Green Deer. Um, good afternoon.
1: I greet each and every one of you. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Greetings, my relative. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful day here, October 8th and we are in the midst of harvest in many different seasons. We just moved from uh, autumn equinox, equal day and night, with now the day's growing shorter and the night's growing longer. And we're here to talk with you about your amazing work Um, as a seed keeper. And you are involved with the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network of the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance, the fabulous Rowan White and a coalition and network of other seed keepers. Um, Please tell us a little bit about your work um, at the Dream of Wild Health and your role as a seed keeper. Thank you, Melissa. Yes, this is my second growing season at Dream
0: of Wild Health. Um, and at Dream of Wild Health, we grow seeds and we grow leaders. Um, so those seeds are not only figuratively, but um, of course, we're growing indigenous seeds and non indigenous seeds as well. Mm. Uh, our mission at Dream of Wild Health is to restore health and well being in the native community by recovering knowledge of and access to healthy indigenous foods, medicines, and life ways. Mm. Um, it's um yeah the the work here is so amazing um you know the the work centers around the youth but it's also based in cultural teachings and you know I wish there were dreams of wild health everywhere um, because every community could benefit from being able to share uh, knowledge from elders and passing it down to our our future generation um, we've got yeah, amazing youth, uh, an amazing mission. Uh, we support uh, the Phillips neighborhood of Minneapolis and uh, specifically the cultural corridor on Franklin Avenue. Um, we've had an amazing season, but you know, we couldn't have done uh, couldn't have had the successes we've had this year without our seeds mm-hmm. uh, and our seed relatives. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, being a seed keeper, it's a, um, it's a big responsibility. It's a heavy title to carry. Um, because everything we do, you know, as Native people, we always think about our future generations. Um, but it's definitely being able to hold the future in your hands and also being able to hold the past in your hands at the same time uh, is, yeah, it's, um, it's an amazing. Amazing journey, and I'm grateful
1: to be on it. Mm, Wow, that's such a profound way of talking about it, Jessica. That you're holding both the past and the future uh, in your hands with seeds, as you know, our descendants and ancestors, as John Trudell used to say, the real DNA, you know, on a genetics level, you absolutely are, and on a cultural and spiritual level, um, that tie through all of those lineages of the hands that have held those seeds and the soil. That, that held those seeds. So it's, it's a lot of responsibility, as you say, kind of a, a sacred obligation. And uh, Native people, we're not afraid of those sacred obligations. I think of, you know, the Apache have the burden baskets, right? And we have many different versions of that. Um, so at this time of harvest, what have you grown? What are some of the specific um, seeds you've been growing and, and feasting and sharing in your communities? Wow. Um, So we've, uh,
0: I will say, you know, due to the pandemic, um, as soon as the stay at home order was put, um, put on by the governor here in Minnesota, um, we started growing food, Um, there was a, you know, there were so many people that were unsure about how they were going to continue to access food if stores were shutting down, um, or other places of business where they could get their food were shutting down. Uh, So we ramped up our production. Um, started making microgreens, um, salad mixes available immediately, and then um, continued to, yeah, just intensively farm the land here. That's been uh, so generous with us. Um, We grow not only market vegetables, um, but we also grow indigenous seed relatives. Um, So part of the work, part of the seeds that had grown here this year were some of the seeds that were rematriated from Seed Savers Exchange and their partnership with the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network. Um, mm. Yeah, I know uh, one of my, oh, I think one of the the most beautiful one that I had seen this year was the Osage Brown. Uh, and that's just because the brown coloring of her is something I haven't
1: ever seen before mm. uh, in corn. That's a so corn? Yes, it is. It's a a brown corn. Wow. And is it like a light tan beige or is it more like a earth brown? Uh, It's even, I would say even almost
0: like a a mud, a mud brown. It's a very deep, rich brown. Like chocolate Uh, almost.
1: Yes. Just Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) Oh, wow. And that was an Osage brown corn that was part of the rematriation from Seed Keepers. That's fabulous. Wow. And I've also read about um, your work also with the Ho-Chunk Red Beauty Corn. Uh, And for those who may not know um, more about your Ho-Chunk nation and people, if you could just share a little bit about your location and anything you want to share about your nation and then that special corn relative of yours. Absolutely. Um, so
0: the, I'm a member of the Ho-Chunk Nation of Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin was our, uh, well, what's now known as Wisconsin. Uh, essentially the, uh, the Eastern border was Lake Michigan, uh, the Northern border, the Fox river, um, or up by Green Bay and all the way across West toward the Mississippi and then down South, uh, into parts of what is now Iowa and Illinois. Um, Mm. We've got quite the land base, but we do not have a reservation in Wisconsin. Um, part of the removals um, back in the late 1800s moved us to uh, what's now called Winnebago, Nebraska, and that's where the federal reservation is located. Mm. Um, yeah, all the land that we've um, that we currently reside on in Wisconsin has all been is all trust based land, so it's land that we've had to purchase and put into trust.
1: Mm. Wow. Wow. And so it's probably uh, a little disjointed, right? Or is it contiguous? Is it, are those trust pieces close together or they're separated by other types of private property? Yeah,
0: it is not contiguous. Um, We're spread across 13 counties in Wisconsin. And uh, within all of those counties, we sort of have small little villages
1: um, or Uh, higher population groups in some of those areas Mm -hmm. wow it really speaks to the you know profound impacts and fragmentation of our lands and communities through colonization Uh, but i know your your proud nation is doing a lot to bring that all back and you are one of the early tribes also that officially changed your name right to decolonize your name can you share a little bit about that Absolutely. Um, I was actually at the event,
0: um, back in 1992. Uh, we had a gathering and our president at the time was, uh, Joanne Jones and she was our first, um, female president. Um, but we, yeah, we separated ourselves and we went back to our traditional name of of Ho-Chunk, uh, which is the people of the big voice.
1: And, um, we were formerly known as the Wisconsin Winnebago Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, I remember that was, well, 92, yeah, during a very momentous time in history to, to reclaim your traditional name. And I think you've inspired many other uh, Native nations around the country to do the same. So thank you for that. And so you are in your traditional territory, and you are working with these partners, ISKN and Seed Savers Exchange, to bring back those ancestral seeds. So how do you define or envision that whole process that you've been doing that we call seed rematriation?
0: Yeah, this is um, uh, so a little bit more background on my people we don't have all of our agricultural practices intact. Um, there were things that had been lost, and um, you know the the generation that we're in now trying to reclaim those foods. Um, and one of my granddaughters also being able to partner with her, so she's a a chef, um, and we're able to work together or collaboratively, so we can share those foods again with our people. Um, and when they taste it, then they usually want to grow it um, and vice versa. Mm. So it's, um, you know, we've been looking for seeds, um, trying to find our ancestral seed relatives in museums and institutions. Um, and it's, uh, it's been quite a road And you know, thankfully, Rowan had the foresight while she was out on the board of Seed Savers Exchange to be able to Think through the rematriation process with them, and trying to get those seeds back home. Um, I know mm. there have been two seeds now that have come out of the uh, rematriation project with Seed Savers Exchange that are of my my ancestral seeds. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it's been a beautiful um, a beautiful story and a a beautiful way to reconnect with our with our culture. Um, Although there's many ceremonies and cultural activities of my people that are still intact, the food isn't there to connect with it. Um, so once upon a time, we had a Hubbard squash, um, and now that Hubbard squash has come home. Mm-hmm. So it's um, being able to um, bring the seeds back into the same ceremonies that they they were in for, you know, since time immemorial. So um, it's a beautiful beautiful, beautiful uh, work. Mm -hmm. And I'm just grateful that, um, you know, that same, the same gift that had been given to me, I can also continue to help share that with other people and other nations. So I'm grateful to
1: be able to share that um, and help bring seeds home. Mm, That's so beautiful. What a powerful story of a homecoming, like you said, and being able to introduce that to the young ones and the youth. And like you said, your granddaughter is a chef, yes? Yes. Oh, so she's able to cook with that Hubbard squash again. She is. And I should
0: specify it's, um, we're not blood related Mm -hmm. um, through our Ho-Chung kinship. She's my
1: granddaughter, so I don't want to age myself too much. Uh, I was going to say, you look yeah. a little young for that, but I know that <laughs> in our kinship systems, there's all kinds of different ways we make kin. So you're relative. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. The Native
0: Seed Pod is produced by The Cultural Conservancy with generous support by Tamalpais Trust. To contribute to our polyculture and to find out more information, please visit us at nativeseedpod.org or nativeland.org.
1: And um, you work with youth, you know, in your own Ho-Chunk Nation and community, uh, but the 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 goal or one of the main um, unique aspects of the dream of wild health is working with a largely urban community. Um, So an an intertribal community, Minneapolis was a relocation site, much like Oakland and San Francisco is here. That's how my mom, a Turtle Mountain Chippewa woman ended up in Oakland in the 50s. And, you know, there's Navajo and Lakota and Ho-Chunk. And so we have a pretty big intertribal community here. And there's great, gifts and opportunities with that intertribal exchange and also some, um, you know, complications just because we come from different languages and territories and traditions and I'm just curious how you navigate that, well, like even deciding what to plant in your urban farm. You know, we have these meetings, and we of course try to privilege, um, you know, local California native peoples. But they weren't farmers; they they were, you know, incredible gatherers, sophisticated agroecologists. They didn't do what we call, you know, modern agriculture as much. So we bring in ethnobotany and plant seeds of the native plants from this area. But when we we talk about gardening and farming, um, the whole inner tribal community um, has, has their little seeds that they want to share, and it ends up being wonderful, but it's just an interesting process to navigate. I'd love to hear a little bit how you do that. Well, I guess it's, um,
0: you know, part of it is looking to see when the last time we planted a particular seed, um, and sometimes it's <clears throat> working with your intuition. Um, knowing who needs to, who needs to get back out in the soil again. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: it's, um, it's definitely difficult. I know, uh, last year was my first season here. So I also grew a Ho-Chunk seed because I knew I was farming on new land, but that was a plant that I knew what it looked like, um, how long it would normally take to flower and how long it would normally take to harvest. Um, so that was sort of my barometer check. And, um, You know, of course, I was a little hurt. I would have loved to have grown another Ho-Chunk seed (laughs) uh, here at Dream of Wild Health again. But, um, you know, I needed to make sure that we had space for everybody else, too.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And so that's, um, you know, I think that's the balance you have to walk uh, as a seed keeper. You know, it's like a mother. You can't ask a mother who her favorite child is. So, of course, it's um, making sure that you give the same love to everybody. um, But then you also learned some of the plant's personalities. Um, Before I came to Dream of Wild Health and before I farmed for my nation, I was also doing some urban farming in Philadelphia. And so I had learned very quickly that you don't need to have a farm to grow food. And I think that's what's so important with the youth here is that they have container gardens or they have a very small plot and they're able to produce
1: something uh, and grow seeds and... Uh, it's it's beautiful to see that. That's right. Yes. In our, you know, San Francisco and Oakland communities too with young folks just barely having a little, not even a backyard or a little porch and being able to grow just a handful of seeds. What a powerful thing that is to just grow one plant from one seed and be able to harvest something from it, whether it's a tea or a tomato or a a squash. Um, It's it's so fantastic. And um, you have many partnerships, right? Do you actually, owns your own garden in an urban context, or do you have partnerships with others for being able to grow out food in these small different sites?
0: Yeah, so this year, um, so Dream of Wild Health has had a 10-acre farm uh, in Hugo, which is about uh, 35 minutes north northeast of Minneapolis. And um, that's where we do a lot of our production. So we actually take the kids out of the city And transport them to the farm so they have a a quiet green space to be at uh, and a safe place for them to be and um, this year we also purchased another 20 acres that we're remediating now and getting it ready for future production so Mm, congratulations um, thank you yeah the property is just down the street it's a two-minute walk um Mm. but yeah large we have big plans for that area and hopefully adding a large community gathering space as well.
1: Wonderful. Wow, that's powerful to hear. And then do you have um, a seed library or I don't like the word seed bank? What, what your seed collection, your seed relatives, what kind of housing uh, do you have um, to protect those those relatives? Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Melissa. Yeah, we've
0: definitely gotten away from banking yes. uh, or vault. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is we call it a seed sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, so the seeds here, they, they come here and maybe they just need to stay a little while and then they go someplace else or um, they're here for as long as they want to be. Um, so it's about having that relationship with them. Um, but our seed sanctuary, we do use... Um, Some of the techniques that Rowan has shared uh, with sort of like deep chest freezers and mylar envelopes with uh, food safe silica or moisture uh, packets inside of the seeds. So um, doing the best we can, Um, I'd love to have a, a seed kiva, something similar to Rowan yeah um, but our our water table is just a little too high here, so uh, <laughs> we have to
1: move on to the next best thing hmm yeah there were so many different ways that our ancestors saved seeds right above ground below ground, and many different in jars and clay and um baskets so um there's a lot of variety oh that's beautiful and do you you do you have them in one location or do you have you know what we call um Uh, what's that? Deliberate redundancy to have them in a few different locations. Yeah. So we actually have ours in three different locations. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Just to protect them in case you never know what happens in one spot. Yeah, exactly. Here right now with the fires in Northern California, that's very, very critical to, to have that duplication. We have our seeds at Two or three sites as well, right now. And we also were really uh, excited to visit uh, Rowan Seed Kiva and have a vision of doing, trying to do something similar at some point. That's such a great model. Yeah definitely. Excellent. And what are some of the other uh, food plants that you've been growing that the youth are really excited about? I'm sure you have Lakota folks and probably some of my Anishinaabe relatives in the area. Um, Are they looking at any particular berries? Do you do perennials like berries as well as annual food plants? Yes, we do. So we have some um, wild plums,
0: hazelnuts, um, choke cherries, crab apples, mm. and then we also have a smaller or a a young orchard, um, and so that orchard has uh, buffalo berry, elderberry, and yep, and that's it.
1: Wow, that's you're making me hungry. <laughs> Those are some <laughs> of my foods. Yeah, we're starting to grow some more perennials as well with some of the berries. That's so delicious. Excellent. And um, in terms of the future of your program, you mentioned this 20 acres um, and expanding your vision for the dream of wild health and having a gathering place. Are there any other components about the future of your work in terms of expansion and how people can maybe support your work? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as Native
0: people or just BIPOC folks in general, You know, land access is a big issue. Um, We want to be able to grow our own food, but maybe can't find good land to be able to grow our seeds into. Um, Part of the vision for the 20 acres is not only that community gathering space, but it's also an additional pack shed or processing site, um, as well as a commercial kitchen. So um, the vision for at least 12 of those acres is to have... um, Alley cropping, um, so essentially f- additional fruit and nut perennials um, breaking up and creating windbreaks in between um, tillable acreage. Um, and that tillable acreage will be, um, I guess, more of a, I don't even want to call it a lease. Um, mm. It's actually a incubating farmer area for some of our alumni of the program, um, some of our young youth and other native farmers. Um, giving them the space,
1: and then in turn, they'll share part of their harvest with the organization. Wonderful. What a great vision. That's fantastic. And that would be a site, too, where hunters could even bring um, some of their harvest, right? And process and teach and share. And um, do you do, I'm sure you do other associated food ways, whether that's basket making and leather work and um, quill work or beading. Yes? Definitely. Yes. The,
0: what's so great about the youth and I wish I was one of them when I was that age. Um, but the youth, you know, are interested in butchering. Um, and then even earlier this winter, I hosted them at my home farm and we tanned, um, a deer hide. Um, so they're, yeah, they're very interested. We did do a little bit of butchering at the farm this year Um, And not everybody was interested, but the ones who did uh, really enjoyed it.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, I think it's so important um, for our youth to understand the full spectrum of food sovereignty and, you know, gathering from, you know, quote, wild areas and planting gardens and little farms and big farms. And then, um, you know, our our hunting, our strong hunting traditions and um, being able to use all the materials, like you said, with tanning the hides and making our own moccasins and yeah, well, I'm excited to come visit you, uh, Jessica, sometime, and uh, we would love to invite you out to our cultural conservancy, Foodway Farms, in Northern California, where we're doing very similar work with urban and rural uh, inner tribal Indigenous communities. And kind of, you're you're ahead of us. We've been learning from you and modeling so many programs um, after your great work. So just an honor to feature you on the first episode of season three of the Native Sea. Pod at this um, beautiful harvest time. Is there anything else for um, our listeners that you would like to share about your work or how people can support the important native seed rematriation movement that you are really at the forefront of?
0: Wow, that's a great question, Melissa. You know, the I think the work uh, what any of the the listeners can do is Really tapping into not only um, not only their local food system, but whether their background is indigenous or of some other uh, heritage, it's also about everybody reconnecting to their ancestral seeds. You know, there's um, as we continue to push with the with the indigenous seed indigenous seed and food movement and food sovereignty. You know, so many people want to jump on board, and it's like that's great that you want to support, but. Um, It's also about everybody connecting to their own way. Um, We have uh, in our language, like corn for instance, is we chowas, but if I grow it, it's wong shik we chowas, and that makes it sacred because it grew from my hands. Um, And it's remembering that we all have our own food stories. Um, We, of course, would love for any support of our work um, as we continue to push forward with our capital campaign Uh, To bring
1: this vision to a reality. Wonderful. Thank you for that important reminder. Yes, we all come from ancestral seeds and ancestral waters and our own heritage, rich heritage of land based traditions, if we go far back enough. So it's very important to model that and mirror that for all communities. Thank you. And to reach out to Dream of Wild Health, um, people can go to your website. And again, it's dreamofwildhealth.org, right? Correct, Melissa. Yes, and can learn more about these wonderful programs and make donations and learn from these resources. Also, uh, the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance and the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network uh, have wonderful resources on their website as well. So, Niji Gwich uh, Nijikwe. Thank you, my friend, for this wonderful interview and you know, your time and your dedication uh, to the health and well-being of Native Native seeds, Native communities, and all peoples. Miigwech kegien, Melissa. Thank you so much.